Good morning, Exchange Church. Welcome. Uh, worship was incredible. Uh, I, I've, I've loved every moment of it. Thank you, Sherry and our eKids team for providing something for our kids. Today I want to take us into the Word. I have a, a message to share, but before I begin that, uh, because I've not been able to see you, Carrie and I, we've been in our homes just like you have been. I got a picture this morning of my granddaughter, and I would not be a good grandfather if I don't show off the new baby. So uh, I think we have a picture. I just want to show you River Rose, my little Australian granddaughter. Look at that. She is so beautiful. Carrie got that for her, someone in Austin, Texas loves me. So we love her and just wanted to share that with you. As our family is growing, we're so excited. Also, this morning I was walking through the empty halls of the church and uh, something just settled in, in the empty hallway over me. And I was reminded of a phrase that I've heard many times before and it, it says or goes something like this, buildings and parking lots don't change lives, but what happens on the inside does. And just the power of, of the church coming together. I love the local church. Um, I love now watching what the Lord is doing, breathing in every home now and, and causing the church to rise. I have been getting reports from different people in our church congregation of how the Lord has been blessing them and providing for them. And several people just this week were texting and emailing me saying that they have fallen in love all over again with the Word of God. Uh, I have to say that's even been true of me. Uh, just sitting down and reading the Word, studying. There's just something new that the Lord is stirring in the homes of His people. But as I walked through the empty hallways today, I just felt the presence of God so strong. And I wanted to just encourage you and thank you for being a part of this local house. Because the reality is... The place where you've been carries the atmosphere that you brought when you were here. The God that is in you, the faith that is in you has transformed this place. And I know it's just an empty space when you're not here, but to me that's good news because that tells us that we have the capacity for everywhere our foot goes to usher in the kingdom and the presence of God. So I just want to encourage you. Um, as you are making your every three or four day run to the grocery store with your gloves and now your mask and uh, duct tape all over the place. I don't know what you look like or what you're doing, but even in those moments when you're just going to try to find lettuce and Brussels sprouts, I want you to know that blessed are the feet of those who bring good news. And the good news that you're bringing into the marketplace, the good news that you're bringing into the streets as you leave your homes is that there is still a God who sits on the throne, that there is still a God who heals and delivers and rescues and saves today. So I just want to encourage you that as you check off the list and you wash your hands and you sanitize and you use wisdom in all that you do, you are still a person on a mission sent by heaven. Amen. Amen. You know, things look and feel a little bit different. They sound a little bit different. Our days are a little bit different. Any of you getting your days and nights mixed up, all night Netflix runs? Come on. I know there's someone in our congregation. I can think of a few because uh, I've seen your midnight and 1 a.m. social media post. But things just feel, feel really different. And the title today 
that I want to speak to you on is what difference does it make? When there's a difference, what difference does it make? Wherever you are, will you please stand to your feet in honor of the reading of God's word today? I want to take you to our text, Matthew chapter 21, verses 1 through 11. This is five days before the crucifixion. Jesus is riding into Jerusalem on a donkey. We call this day Palm Sunday, Palm Sunday, not to be confused with Palm Sunday. What difference does that make? That makes a big difference. We're talking about palm leaves this morning. The event itself of Jesus coming into the city of Jerusalem, that's known as the triumphal entry. In our block of text, we're heading into the city, and there are a lot of things I want to pull out today talking about difference, difference. Let's go to verse 1. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, see your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks. Everybody say cloaks. He placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Let us pray. Father, we love you so much. God, I thank you for this time. I thank you for this opportunity on this Palm Sunday. God, five days away from the greatest sacrifice known to humanity. Five days, the number of grace. God, I thank you that in this moment, we will encounter your grace in a new and mighty and powerful way. Father, stir in our hearts right where we are in our homes. God, no matter where, what we're doing or, or where we're sitting, Father, your Holy Spirit is very present. And we just open our hearts to you. We say yes to you this morning. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen. You may be seated. So the sun was rapidly rising. It was beginning to shoot its golden arrows across the sky to pull back the, the veil of the evening. And we, we happen upon this Sunday morning where they crest the hill and Jesus and his followers see the city sitting in panoramic view. We, we know from census scholars that there were approximately in this town of Jerusalem for this feast, 2.5 million people. 
2.5 million people. Now, 2.5 million in today's terms is equivalent to 2.5 million in their time terms. Inflation doesn't happen on quantity of people. So there were a lot of people in Jerusalem, and they were shouting, Jesus Christ is coming. Behind Jesus were his sermons, and in front of him was his suffering. Behind Jesus were his parables. In front of him, his passion. Behind Jesus were his suppers of fellowship, and in front of Jesus was his last supper of betrayal. Behind him were the delights of Galilee. In front of him, the darkness of Gethsemane. Behind him, the prophetic words of what was to come ahead of him, the prophetic words put into practice where the rubber meets the road. So they head into Jerusalem and they're shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Hosanna literally means to save us. You want the definition of Hosanna? It means to save us, to rescue us. However, by the first century, it had become like a praise, a shout out to God. I think Sherry mentioned it's like kind of saying hooray, and that's true. They just, everyone would say Hosanna, not necessarily because they were wanting or expecting him to save them. It was just commonplace. It had become routine. But this day, it would be different. This day, the shouts of Hosanna would actually not fall on deaf traditions or deaf ears. The shouts of Hosanna would be received by the reigning king, the one who was sent by his father to redeem all of mankind. And what they shouted, the prophetic declaration in their mouth was received, and it became made manifest by the Son of God. This day was unlike any other day. People also cut branches. Now, you can read different versions, different gospels, and some will say branches, some will say uh, twigs, uh, some will say sticks, some will say leaves. They all say different things, but what it all funnels down to is palm branches. Now, Jerusalem, 200 years earlier, had used palm branches to celebrate being liberated from the rule of Greece. And so they used the palm trees, palm leaves to celebrate the rule, the physical liberation. And then at some point later, uh, the priests come in and they cleanse the temple. And there is, I guess, a ceremonial cleansing. And Jesus at some point comes in the temple and there is a spiritual cleansing of the temple. The palm trees are very significant in this story. The palm leaves, it represents victory. Victory. I don't know if you have palm trees in your house. We have a couple of palm trees, um, but there are palm trees that you can see as you're driving. Um, and, and I just want you to understand that today on this Palm Sunday, there were people that were waving the palm leaves, which, by the way, you do realize that if you touch a palm leaf, it's not really fuzzy and fun to touch, it hurts. There's some pain involved whenever you're touching the palm trees. I, I take it upon myself to clean our palm trees once a year, and I have to cut that which is dead and remove it so that it continues to grow. And when you, when you pull the leaves away, if you're not careful, you can get a splinter, and it can cut you, and, and you'll bleed. The, the palm trees, the victory in the palm branches, sometimes is difficult 
to grasp. One day, you and I, all who have received Jesus Christ, will together praise Jesus. Revelations 7 actually describes what could be called a new Palm Sunday. And it may actually be closer than you and I think. Revelation 7, 9 through 10 says, After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, every tribe, every people, every language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. So we're having Palm Sunday today. We will have Palm Sunday again very soon when Jesus comes back to rescue his bride. But my question is, what difference does it make? In our text in Matthew 21, we see a lot of things that just on surface level, reading the text from 20,000 feet in the air, that doesn't appear to be a lot of difference, but if we just kind of get in the nitty-gritty details of it all, we can see the difference. Historians tell us that traditionally, persons from various regions would travel to Jerusalem for this feast. In fact, I made a few notes here. The south end of the Mount of Olives had for years been camping grounds for the people from Galilee. They were the unsophisticated people, the unspoiled people, the people who didn't know what caviar looked like or tasted like. They were people in this area. Jesus actually spent most of his time with these people from Galilee and performed most of his miracles among the unsophisticated and unspoiled people of the land. They knew him best. On several occasions, they had tried to make him king. We see this in John 6, verse 15. If you're taking notes, you can write that down. Mark 12, 37 says of them, the common people heard him gladly. So there's a difference in the crowd. We see that there are people as Jesus is making his descent into the city on a donkey with the followers and people come out and they lay down the palm leaves, there is a crowd that is building, and there, there's a difference in the crowd. Notice in verse 9, we skimmed over it, but verse 9 says, the crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed him. Verse 9, one more time, verse 9. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed. So there are two people in this crowd. Now, like I said, if we're just looking from a distance, we would would be tempted to think that the same people that shouted Hosanna were the same people that shouted crucify him. But there's a difference. There's a difference in the crowd. In the city of Jerusalem, there's also wealthy and um, very religious leaders that are there. Jesus had antagonized them by referring to them as the scribes and the Pharisees, and at one point called them hypocrites. Also among them were the Sadducees who had long been plotting the downfall of Jesus in order to preserve their wealth and their lifestyle. They had tried to do everything that they could, even willing to compromise their faith and their belief to maintain their lifestyle. They had so much to lose that they displeased the Roman overlords. These man-pleasing priests 
and scribes plotted their nefarious death scheme. The Galileans had nothing to lose. The poor Galileans had nothing to lose. We have two types of people. So we're in the crowd, I assume. I mean, I'm not Jesus. You're not Jesus. I'm sure that we are in the crowd. I think we might want to dig in a little bit deeper and see what kind of crowd member are we. Because some people just wanted to use him. The zealots wanted to use Jesus just so that he could overthrow Rome. But the reality is Jesus didn't come to overthrow Rome. He came to establish the kingdom of heaven. Some people that day in the crowd just wanted to use him. Some people in that crowd wanted to ignore him. (laughs) The Romans felt superior to him. After all, he was a a lowly Nazarene from the south side. They they could just ignore him. No, no big deal. Some people wanted to ignore him. And I wonder if there are not people in our culture today that, that are in the crowd. Like you don't get to choose if you're in the crowd or not in the crowd. Everyone's in the crowd. But some, some people are choosing to ignore him today. There are some people that wanted to obey him. The man that owned the donkey. I, I wish I could... When I get to heaven, I believe that there are going to be movie theaters where you can uh, actually sit next to someone not six feet apart, and you can sit next to someone and watch the replay of actual events that happened, but it's, it's not in 2D or 3D. It's in, it's in Aldi. So you, Aldi. You get to see what happens on the earth, but you also get to see the spiritual interactions and the demons and the the angels and the wins and the losses. And, and I really, I really want to see the interaction of the man who has a donkey and the guy walks in and says, Hey, I'm taking your donkey because the Lord needs it. (laughs) He wanted to obey. He was expecting that the Lord was going to show. He was expecting that the Lord was going to come. All that he had belonged to him. The donkey, everything, anything that you need, take it. He was wanting to obey. There are people in the crowd today that your greatest heart's desire, you just want to obey the Lord. You're finding yourself at home, pouring over scripture, and you're saying things like, search my heart, oh God. The things that I've justified, the things that I've ignored, the things that I thought were okay, I I don't know. I don't know anymore, but my heart is just to obey you. God, will you just cut away the flesh of me? Will you separate the light from darkness? Because I stand here in the crowd in awe of you, and I want nothing more than to obey you. Are you one of those crowd members that just want to obey? But then there's another crowd member. They wanted to worship him. They wanted to worship him. They knew that he had... He had just resurrected Lazarus. I mean, this was pretty close by. Word travels fast. That which was dead is now alive, and he's coming into the city. Everyone knew Lazarus, and they now know that Lazarus is risen. They wanted to worship him. He had a history and a reputation that could be trusted. There are different types of people in the crowd. What difference does it make who you will be? (laughs) There's another kind of difference I want to talk to you about. The second difference. There's a different kind of kingdom. During the previous week, 
of today, Palm Sunday, two disciples were talking with Jesus, James and John, and they were asking Jesus for positions of prominence in his kingdom. And Jesus rebuked him. And he said in Matthew chapter 20, verses 25 through 28, if you'll write that down or if you have your Bibles, go to that. Jesus called them together and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to serve, not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Give his life for a ransom for many. Let me just take as a side topic for a moment. There's this notion of the law of ransom in Exodus 30. Moses is taking a census, and I think we're in a census. Aren't we in a census in 2020? Yeah, I think so. Moses is taking a census, and the Bible says in verse 11 through 12, the Lord says to Moses, when you take a census of the Israelites to count them, each one must pay the Lord a ransom for his life at the time he is counted. Then no plague will come on them when you number them. So as people are counted in a census, they needed to, there needed to be an offering, a, a ransom, an exchange for, hey, you're counted as um, part of our society, part of our culture, part of our kingdom. You need to pay for that. And they did. And, and it worked well in the Old Testament. That's how it worked. David got himself into trouble because he took a census without giving an offering. We actually, I think it's in 2 Samuel, we know that at one point he's seen the outbreak of him not doing that, and he freaks out, and that's where we get the famous line of, I will not offer the Lord something that costs me nothing. He's actually coming back around and doing what he should have already done when he took the census. He shouldn't have taken the census in that case because the people belong, the people of Israel belong to the Lord, not to David. So he's trying to make up for it and offer something of worth because he understood the principle, the law of ransom. When you count, you offer. When you include someone in your kingdom, when you say that is yours, when you declare your authority over it, you give an offering. I'm grateful today. I'm grateful today that Jesus came as our ransom. You understand that when Jesus died on a cross, the ransom for many, what he was saying is, I'm counting you in the census of the kingdom of heaven. You matter, you count, you're included. This is great news for us because we don't have to wonder if we're in the kingdom or not. We don't have to wonder from day to day if, if we're in or are we out. Because Jesus paid the ransom for us. Jesus came to establish a different kind of kingdom. A kingdom where we serve one another. I have so loved watching the interactions of our church family, loving each other, encouraging 
one another, providing for one another, dropping things off at their house, their home for one another. We just had someone this morning at 10 a.m. before this uh, broadcast began, someone showed up at the church and, and six feet away gave us banana bread that they baked for the team. I don't think the team even knows that they're going to eat it after tonight. I see a lot of people excited this morning because they've been here since very early this morning, but it just moves me to know that the, the congregation, the exchange church is moving in such compassion for one another, care for one another. When we hear of needs, I see that people are moving to make things happen. There's a different kind of kingdom. But finally, there's also a different kind of king. God expects his followers to be different, to be a different kind of people because he is a different kind of king. Why did Jesus decide to ride in to Jerusalem on a donkey that day? I mean, he who could have ridden the wind rode a donkey. He could, who, who could have called the seraphim to escort him rode a donkey. He borrowed a donkey, even though we know that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. He chose a donkey. Well, a donkey symbolizes peace. In that time, judges would ride a donkey. Jesus didn't come to make war. He came to bring peace. He rode a donkey. What about the cloaks? What difference do the cloaks make? Because even on the donkey, the cloaks were laid. The cloaks represent his kingship. He came in peace, but he still came a king. And the palms symbolize victory. So Jesus, the difference that he is presenting to us on Palm Sunday from any other ruler on planet earth. Number one, he's a king. He presented himself as a king. People cried out, Hosanna, son of David, this day. The hooray, Hosanna, wasn't just about another praise celebration in a temple court that felt void of the presence of God. This was a moment where our Hosanna was meeting the Hosanna. And we were excited to, to encounter this moment. He showed up as a king. John 12, 13 John writes that the people called Jesus the king of Israel. He was the king. But on top of being the king, Jesus presented himself as meek. Meek is not weak. In verse 5 of Matthew, Matthew quotes Zechariah 9.9, which describes the coming king as humble and mounted on a donkey. The Greek word for Humble is found four times in the New Testament. It's translated meek and gentle. What difference does this make? On this Palm Sunday, this makes a big difference for us in quarantine. Because Jesus came 
with humility, with meekness, with kindness. Hear me, family. The Lord is not out to punish you today. He is not trying to make your life miserable. He is not trying to bring vengeance to your home. If you are in this isolation being reminded of your poor decisions of the past, I can guarantee you that is not God. That is the accuser of the brethren. That is Satan himself. God is for you. He is not against you. He's riding on a a donkey to bring peace to you today. But what difference does it make if he's king? Because the coronavirus has not dethroned our God. This pandemic has not rattled the cage of heaven. God has not called a board meeting, a mandatory emergency board meeting, asking everyone what they're going to do. God knew the end from the beginning because he is king. So church, I want to encourage you today as I pray over you. And in the coming days, I I want to encourage you to keep your eyes on Jesus. Make sure that we are worshiping the creator, not the created. If we're not careful and we look at circumstances and our fear and anxiety begins to elevate, that thing becomes the thing that we worship. But today we have a savior who is both gentle and loving, kind and for you. And he is all powerful and he is mighty and he has come not to make war with you, but make war with the enemy for his kingdom shall be established on this land now and forevermore. Let us pray. Father, we come before you today. I thank you so much for who you are and what you're doing in the hearts of your people. God, I just ask God, that in the homes right now, in the living rooms, you would just release this sense, God, of freedom, that people would understand that you are king, God, and you are gentle. God, we thank you that in five days, Jesus will have given his life for us, a ransom for many. For those of us that are watching right now or in the archives of this video, if Jesus has not yet returned, and received his bride. If you've not yet woken up to a day or encountered a moment where literally millions of people have vanished from planet earth, then that tells you it's not too late. You can receive Jesus into your heart right now. And and it's simple. It's simple. All you have to do is say, dear Lord, I know that I'm a sinner. I desperately need a savior. Thank you for sending Jesus Christ to die on a cross for my sins, for raising again on the third day, establishing his kingdom on earth so that I can walk in power and provision and the presence of God. I say yes to you today, Lord, in Jesus' name. God, for every person who does know you, they know you today. You are their savior. You are their king. You are their way maker. You are their provider God, I ask that you begin to stir something new and fresh in them. A desire and a hunger to know your word like never before. God, I ask that you would just open up the secrets of the kingdom as we sit down to read your word. The people that are watching who have tried to read the Bible and they get confused and it doesn't make sense to them. I just 
I prophesy in the name of Jesus that the, the blinders are going to be removed, that the eyes of their heart are going to be open to what the Spirit of God is saying to them. God, you're going to cultivate a love for your word in the name of Jesus. And God, I thank you. I thank you for the, the people that are watching right now that are becoming, stepping up to the plate, becoming digital missionaries, understanding that that our circumstances may keep us six feet apart, but the power of God that lives within us is the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. And our mission is not on pause during this pandemic. We are still called to go around the world to bring the good news to those who need to, to know that there's a Savior who loves them. God, I thank you that you're empowering them to reach the people that they're in relationship with. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name I pray. Let the church say, Amen. God bless you.